Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's For anyone love. who is, now, uh, here is this week's message from Pastor just Paul joining Hughes. us. All right, as you guys are getting situated, for anyone just joining us again, we want to wish you a happy Father's Day. Uh, like I said, praying that uh, this Father's Day that you have plenty of time with family, plenty of food, grilled meats, a food coma or two, uh, whatever, whatever makes your Father's Day happen. And I realize there's a lot of people that have a lot of different traditions um, for how they spend Father's Day. Uh, so can I just ask really quick, anyone, I mean, most people do grilling, right? Anyone grill food Father's Day? Yeah, Father's Grill. Uh, does anyone uh, do seafood on Father's Day, specifically like a seafood Father's Day? No, okay, all right. Because I had heard some people talking about that's one of the things they do. Uh, here's the thing, though. Just like Mother's Day, there are some people who Father's Day is like a hard day for them, right? Uh, because either, you know, you either love it or you hate it. A lot of people love it because they have had, they either have a great dad, right? Or uh, they have had a great dad who influenced them. Uh, some people hate it because they sit on the other side and, yeah, I had a great dad, but they're no longer here, so kind of missing them. But then there are people who just hate it because, Maybe you didn't have a godly influence of a father at all in your life, uh, which was uh, my case, my scenario. Um, my father was not in uh, the picture. Um, I didn't have a father in my life. Uh, I actually have one memory, now that I think about it, of my father. And it was he came to visit us uh, and I was living with my great aunt who raised us at the time, and she wouldn't let him in the door. And it wasn't until years later I found out why, and that was because he had been physically abusive to my mother. So an entire family came together and said, hey, uh, we've got to keep him away from her. So they sent her to live with her brother, my uncle, um, out of state, and uh, me and my brother and sister were being raised by my great aunt. I remember when he came, that's like one of the only memories I have of him. When he came, he had, I think, a dress as a gift for my daughter. And he had like two lollipops, you know, the big giant, like real big lollipops. One for me, one for my brother, which for me, I think that's kind of shady. Why does she get a dress and I get a lollipop? But I remember that my, my great aunt, uh, she actually threw the dress away and she threw both of the lollipops away. And to be honest, I also remember digging the lollipop out of the garbage. But all of that to say that there are a lot of people who didn't have father figures in our life, right? We didn't have people passing down, you know, wisdom and insight and all these kind of things uh, that most fathers pass on to their kids. However, there are still people, and some of you may have done this as well, where you know people who didn't have a father figure, so other men stepped in to kind of be a father figure to them. Like my uncle's great father figure to me um, for 10 years from the time to 8 to 18, uh, 
one of our, our neighbors, a uh, man named Mr. Lane, great father figure to me, but a lot of people didn't have father figures. So what I found is from a biblical standpoint, um, there's a lot of wisdom and insight that can be gained, uh, even if you didn't have a father figure, uh, from the book of Proverbs. Because the book of Proverbs is literally one of the wisest people on the planet saying, hey, I want to write down and share some wisdom and insight to my son, right? So here's what I want to do. Uh, if you have a Bible, open it up to Proverbs chapter 2, but I want to give a little bit of background. So I'm going I'm to jump some verses up on the screen, and then I'll open my Bible as well. We're going to walk through Proverbs chapter 2. Uh, but if you look at Proverbs, um, most of the Proverbs, I think there's one or two that can't be 100% ascribed to Solomon, but almost all of them, 31 Proverbs written by Solomon. And here's what we know about Solomon. Here's what the Bible tells us about him. In 1 Kings, it says, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breath of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Right? So it wasn't just he understood one thing. Like some of us, hey, we're, you're, you're good at understanding how cars work. Some of you are good at understanding electrical things, some plumbing, uh, some cooking, some, you know, butcher, baker, candlestick maker, whatever it is. But he gave Solomon wisdom to understand almost all of those things, right? So Solomon's wisdom, it says, was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the East and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. Now, it uses that phrase because in Egypt at that time, uh, they, they were like building great pyramids and people today still can't figure out how they built it without machines, right? They were instituting medical procedures that we still use to this day. Granted, we've capitalized on them. Some of the mathematical and uh, economic procedures that they implemented were huge and groundbreaking, but they say that, hey, God said, I'm going to give wisdom to Solomon that's greater than all of that, right? Then he goes on and says this in First Kings. He, meaning Solomon, spoke 3,000 Proverbs and his songs numbered 1,005. Now, when you look through the book of Proverbs, it's 31 Proverbs or chapters. Uh, the chapters and verses were added at a later date. There's over 900 verses and I'm not saying that every verse is a proverb, but if you read through Proverbs, some of them, uh, again, jump from topic to topic to topic. So we have some, but not all, of the Proverbs that, that he wrote. Uh, and then it says this, he, meaning Solomon, he spoke about plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the walls. He also spoke about animals and birds, reptiles and fish. And it's not that he just spoke and like, hey, that's a pretty bird, that's a pretty flower. And you think of, and I don't know the term, what is it, zoology or, or botany or uh, ecosystems or all this stuff. Those are the things that he kind of wrote about and spoke about, so much so that all the nations, from all the nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. And they didn't just come because I want to hear about fish and I want to hear about ecosystems. They also came because he had knowledge about infrastructure, government infrastructure, uh, city infrastructure. He had knowledge about governing. He had knowledge about economic systems, right? All of these things that he had wisdom and knowledge about. So people came from all over to hear him. Now, in the later half of his life, uh, and throughout most of it, probably the middle to later half of his life, he started documenting and writing all of these things down, right? And what we call, you know, uh, Proverbs, and if you look at Proverbs chapter 1, stay in Proverbs chapter 2, 
it tells us kind of what the Proverbs are about and why he wrote them. And this is the complete Jewish Bible version because it tells us, based on the uh, Hebrew language of that day, here's how the person hearing this or reading this would have understood it. And it says, the Proverbs of Shlomo, just, that's Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, here's what they're for. They're for learning about wisdom and discipline. So reading these Proverbs, they're, they're, they're adding wisdom to us. They're helping, to be, uh, helping us be more disciplined, but they're also for understanding words and expressing deep insight. And they're also for gaining an intelligently disciplined life, doing what is right, just and fair. So if we as Christians want to know, hey, what do we do in this situation? How do we live out this situation? Just like we read the, the New Testament, we hear Paul's letters, right? We should be reading the Proverbs because they'll give us that same godly information on how to do what is right, how do I handle this situation, how to deal with this stuff when life throws stuff at me, right? But this is important. It says it's also for endowing with caution those who don't think. It's for those impulsive people. Anyone know anyone that's like really impulsive? Like I am an impulsive shopper. I'm one of the reasons why you guys keep seeing ads pop up on Facebook because I go, ooh, that looks good. Bye, bye, bye. I'm an impulsive. Like we, Christy and I, we went to this Amazon warehouse. I bought a hot dog toaster because it looked good and it was cheap. We have like at least 10 other ways to cook hot dogs at the house. But I was like, oh, a hot dog toaster, yeah. And so I bought it. So Solomon's wisdom, great for impulsive people. But here's the important thing. It says also for the young person, endowing the young person with knowledge and discretion. Because as a father, we as fathers, we want to pass on knowledge and wisdom to our kids And I know right now, right, the popular thing is, hey, get their attention by dad jokes. But God is saying, no, you know what? Get their attention and pass on wisdom and knowledge through the book of Proverbs, right? So in Proverbs chapter 2, if you have a Bible, open it up uh, to the book of Proverbs chapter 2. And if you're not sure where it is, it's like go to the middle and you'll hit Psalms. And just to the right of Psalms is the book of Proverbs. Right? So in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1, and this is important, this is what it says. My son, so again, this is Solomon sharing wisdom with his son, but more importantly, it's also God the Father sharing wisdom with his children through Solomon. So he says, my son, and look at the conditional statement, if you accept my words and sort my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if... You call out for insight and cry out aloud for understanding. And if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. He says, if you call out for insight, if you accept his words, if you look for it, then you'll find the fear of the Lord and you'll find the knowledge of God. That's one of the the most important things Solomon says is, hey, and it's great when we teach our kids to do the things that we know how to do. So if we know how to like do car stuff, we teach that to our kids. If we know how to grill and cook, we teach that to our kids. If we know how to you know, wire a house or do plumbing, we teach that to our kids. But one of the wisest men, probably the next to Jesus, wisest men who ever walked the earth says, 
one of the things that we should be passing down to our kids is to search for and to know God. That's like the best thing that we can do to equip our children to deal with everything they're dealing with today. Uh, Paul writes this in the book of Ephesians. He says this. He says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. In other words, don't, don't pile on, hey, here's this rule and this rule and this rule and this rule. He said, instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Bring up our children knowing that, yeah, there is a God who loves you. There is a God who sent his son to die for you. But that same God has a moral outline of what's right and what's wrong. And regardless of what the world says... I want to show you what God says. That's the way we're supposed to bring up our children, right? Uh, go over to verse 6, Proverbs 2. He, of Proverbs 2, he explains why. He says, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And he knows this firsthand, right? And he says, He holds victory in store for the upright. Now, a common phrase in that day was victory, because battle, all that stuff. But for us, the more applicable phrase would be success because we all want our children to be successful it says he is a shield to those who walk blameless meaning he'll keep them protected for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones now this this is something we as parents all want right we all want our kids to be successful right and for those online, all the parents are raising their hands saying, yeah, because we all, we all want our kids, even though not a single person raised their hand. Thank you. Yeah, but we all want our kids to be, this doesn't mean we want them to be rich. That's, that's not what successful means. If, if, if they, whether they're a butcher, a baker, candlestick, whatever they do, we want them to be successful at it. A lot of people say, oh, we just want them to be happy. We want them to be more than just happy. We want them to feel accomplished in whatever they put their hand to, right? Uh, but we also want them, just like he said, to be protected and to be safe, especially in the world today. Because it's hard to think that we can keep our children safe uh, in a world with all the violence and everything that we see going on. And it's not just in our nation, around the world. There are parents who are trying to figure out, how do I keep my children safe, right? I mean, my kids are fully grown they live in North Carolina. I still pray for them daily. And one of the main things is for their safety. Even though they're grown, even though, they, even though one of them's like an MMA cage fighter, I still pray for his safety. Because that's what we want for our children. But we also should want for them to experience the salvation that comes from God. To experience all of his blessings, all that he has for them. Right? Verse 12 says this, Wisdom will save you, and again, that you as he's talking to his son, but it's to all of our children, will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who leave the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil. So wisdom is going to keep a lot of our kids from going down the wrong path. Instead of, instead of us constantly telling them, oh, you're hanging out with the wrong crowd, you're hanging out with the wrong people, uh, God's wisdom will bring to light that, hey, whatever they're doing, I don't want to be a part of that. Because we can't always be with them to tell them that they shouldn't, right? And then in verse uh, 16, it says this, it, and that it, again, wisdom, will save you from the adulteress from the wayward wife with her seductive words, 
who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the spirits of the dead. None who go to her return or attain the path of life. Now, this is kind of important because Solomon was speaking from personal knowledge here, right? Because he had, and I forget which is which, 300 wives, 700 concubines, which a concubine is just someone who you keep around, but you don't want to give them the privilege of being a wife. And most of the dads are like, how can you even handle more than one wife? That's just mind-boggling because it's, I don't even know, I don't, like, I try to avoid preaching on that passage because I have nothing to say on how one man can even think of handling more than one woman. But he tried with a thousand, and he passes on the wisdom not just about an adulteress, but about romantic relationships. Because this is an area where, you know, we as parents know sometimes our kids don't listen to us when we try to get involved in their romantic relationships. And my kids aren't watching this, so I can talk about them, right? And so they were like, hey, I won't even, I won't even tell you who I'm seeing or who I'm dating until I know it's for sure. And in my head, I'm going, by then it might be too late. Because if you introduce them to me on day one, you know, I can be like, no, keep, keep, keep moving or, or whatever. I can pass on that wisdom. But most of our kids, they don't want our parental input in their romantic relationships. But if we bring them up in the wisdom and knowledge of the Lord, then they'll be able to look for themselves and say, hey, I know you're, you're, you're not the one. This, this, this isn't working out. When I do premarital counseling, uh, there's a bunch of topics I discuss, but one of the main ones uh, is under the topic of faith. And I tell them it's not about making sure that you guys are Christians, but it's about making sure that you understand that in a romantic relationship, if your faiths don't match up, there's going to be problems, right? And this isn't just me. Uh, Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians, right? Now he's talking to the church in Corinth, which they, were, they had a bunch of problems, a bunch of different cultures and whatever, and people weren't getting along. And he's talking to them about, hey, be willing to open up yourself to get to know one another, to be vulnerable, to be real with one another. And he says, by way of return then, also do this for me, I speak as to children, open wide your hearts to us also. So let one another in, get vulnerable, get real with one another, but also to us as spiritual leaders and apostles. And then the very next verse, and people normally don't read the verse before, but then the very next verse, after he's talking about getting real with one another and relationships, he says, but don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Don't make mismated alliances with them or come under a different yoke with them inconsistent with your faith. When I'm doing premarital counseling, I tell people that's more important than just, hey, making sure that, hey, you're both of the same faith, right? Because if if there's differences, you might be of one faith that says, hey, this marriage, according to my faith, this is forever. But then the person you're about to marry may be like, no, this is until I find something better. And you may be of the faith that says, hey, this is between you and me. We're the only people from now until we die. But they may be of a faith or lack of faith that says, no, 
I'm married to you, but there's nothing wrong with me having intimate relationships with other people as long as I come home to you. This is, this is a lot of people take this and say, well, you're not supposed to have jobs with or work with uh, uh, people who are unbelievers. That's not the case. This is specifically talking about those romantic relationships where you're talking about giving your heart to someone. And we as parents, we see this when our children uh, go and they think it's okay. I may be a Christian and they may not, or I'm not and they are. And, and we know that uh, there's going to be some, some different ways that you look at values, the ways that you look at raising children, ways that you look at treating one another, right? Because if you're in a faith that says, hey, as a husband, I'm supposed to love you unconditionally and be willing to die for you, because that's the way Christ loved the church. But there may be someone else whose faith is like, hey, as a husband, if I don't like what you're doing, I'm supposed to beat you in the face, those are totally different. And which is why we as parents, we want to make sure, because we can't be there for every relationship, that we're raising our children in a godly way, right? Because we all want success for our children, safety for our children, and salvation for our children. We want them to experience all of those things that God has in store for them, We want them to know the salvation of the Lord. We want them to be successful. We want them to be safe. But we also want them to experience uh, the love that we know that God has for them. But here's the thing. They can't experience any of this if we're not willing to tell them about God. If we're not willing to bring them up in the instruction and training of the Lord. Um, in a minute, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pray for the dads, but I'm going to close with this verse. Uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, and this is the message version, which is just pretty much a paraphrase. It's just spitting it out in plain old English, right? It's not like a, a word-for-word translation. And, and Moses is with a generation of people before they cross into the promised land, before they experience all of this success and all of God's protection. And he's telling them, hey, I want to tell you all the things that your parents, the generation before you, did not get. That's why they're not here. Because God said, hey, you guys didn't obey, so you're not going to get to cross over into the promised land. So Moses says, hey, I want to make sure that you guys are successful. So he says, hey, write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. It's not about reading in the book. It's about you being able to live it out. And he says, get them inside of you and then get them inside of your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home, walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning till you fall into bed at night. This is what we're supposed to do with our kids. If we're sitting down and we're watching Netflix, and I know some Christians are like, you shouldn't watch Netflix. Those Christians don't watch it. I'm going to turn it on. I've got a subscription. If you're sitting with your kids watching Netflix, tell them about, hey, well, we're not going to watch this show because it's ungodly, or yeah, this show is okay. If you're baking with your kids, tell them about how God provided food and can provide for his people. If you're teaching your kids about banking, if you're out shopping with them, when you're taking them to the doctor, whatever you do with your kids, even when they're so big that you really can't call them your kids anymore, Still talk to them about what God can do for them. 
still talk to them about the way that God loves them and the way that God cares for them. Still talk to them about the way that God sent his son to die for them and how God wants them to be successful. God wants them to be safe, but God also wants them to experience his salvation. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand and we're going to pray for all the dads. And I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. God, we lift up all of the fathers here this morning. We lift up ones who may listen to this later. And we lift up all of the ones who, uh, their family members are listening, uh, but those dads don't know you as Lord, but we still pray for them. God, we pray that you would impress it upon our hearts, the importance, the importance, uh, literally lives and souls at stake for us sharing your word with our children. God, we pray that as we read, that we would share it with them when we're teaching them uh, how to fix a car, when we're showing them uh, how to balance their bank account, when we're talking to them about the people that come into their lives that they're looking to have relationships with. God, we pray that we impress it upon them how much you love them and how much you want to bless them and how you sent your son to die for them. God, allow us to be those fathers that take your word seriously and do what your word says, that we get it inside of our hearts and that we pass it down to our children, no matter what age or stage of life they're at. And pray that we would do it because we love them as much as you love us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.